This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porry. I'm joined for the news this week by Jerry Scott. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I bought a piano. It's my birthday tomorrow. Things are going well. You bought a piano. Today, in fact. You the could. Listener is here. You, I got lots of great feedback about my new jingle. Yes. Maybe you could do a new jingle for us on your piano. Good feedback or bad feedback? Feedback. Okay, fine. And if you haven't heard the new jingle, uh, you will hear it soon because this week um, we're going to try and get in touch with Richard Angel, who is the director of Progress, um, the Labour's uh, centre-left movement. So we're going to try and talk to him, open our contacts book and get him on the Brexit blower. Yes, absolutely. A... I like the new jingle. Okay, well, listeners, stay tuned and hopefully you will hear it before too long. Steve is around somewhere, but he's going to be here to do uh, Brexit of the Week a little bit later and he's doing some kind of quiz or something. So is he? Yeah, I don't know. He's holed up somewhere writing some kind of quiz. So we'll be playing his quiz a little bit later and I believe... It is linked to Lib Dem Conference, which begins on Sunday. It does. Very exciting. In Brighton. Yes. Where better for conference? I'm not doing Lib Dem this year, although I will be at um, Labour and I will be at Tory. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also going to the Leave Meets Leave rally with Nigel and Dave. Sexy. Yeah, but I have to go incognito, of course. How should I dress to look more Brexit? I definitely think we should get you a fake moustache to put over your real moustache. So I need a moustache. I need uh, a very some... red face. Let's get you some makeup. Well, again, I'll probably carry that off already, <laughs> and and like some and maybe some tats. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, can you get something like borrow Pitbull for the weekend? Yeah, and that, like an England football top. Yes. That yeah. Says a few Brexit, years old. That says Brexit one nine on the back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Cool. And people say that we sneer. <laughs> you sneery liberal elites. <laughs> So the the Lib Dems, uh, Sir Vince uh, has written a piece for the Guardian this yeah, week, which yeah. hardly anyone has read. I think I, <laughs> it took me ages to find it actually on uh, Google, but I've yeah. found it. And there's some interesting proposals in there. So let's go yep. through the ones that stood out for me. He's very much talking and wants this conference to be about reducing the gap between rich and poor. Yeah. And I think the thinking behind that is that Brexit, that right, that we've got a Brexit, we we've got our Brexit stance, we are opposed to it. That hasn't really worked no. to get new members, to get votes, more no, importantly. No, no, not at all. So I think what they're after is those Labour members who are uh, pro-Remain, 
but are also married to Labour's stance on um, social inequality, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the inheritance tax one. Um, they are so currently, inheritance tax works a bit like this: when mummy or daddy or granny or grandpa die, and they leave you a great wad of cash. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm with you on that. Um, you have to pay quite a high rate of tax yes. on it, including if it's in property. However, if mummy or daddy or granny or grandpa were to give you their great big wad of cash or house and stayed alive for another seven years, so you've got to sort of gamble on their on their life oh, expectancy, God. then then that's yours without yeah. any tax. So there's a way around it. You can if gift it. You can gift it. So what the Lib Dems are saying is that everyone, rich, poor, although you've got to be certainly a little bit rich, if you've got this amount of money to gift, you can gift tax-free over a lifetime £250,000. Okay. Does that mean that if you like give your kids a quid for an ice cream van, you've got to note it's it down? a quid off it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. So they say, what, it's like 30 grand over a certain amount of time to raise kids, so, you know. Yeah, maybe that's included in that. Anyway, after that, there is a blanket tax that is linked to income tax. So, right. so uh, inheritance and um, so wealth and income are taxed at the same rate. That seems kind of like a good idea. It seems kind of fair to me. Yeah, it does kind of seem like a good idea. A lot of people also do that kind of thing of um, passing your money under uh, house over, etc., um, seven years in advance to avoid having to kind of pay for care out of it and stuff like that. So I don't know how that yeah, might so tie that's into all that. A bit, of a, a bit of a dodge, isn't welcome, it? Welcome, welcome that. And it does, it does seem a, like a, a much fairer system, doesn't it? Kind of in, linked into income tax and things like that. I, does, I like the sound of it. Yeah, I think it sounds sounds very sensible. Um, they would scrap business tax and instead have a land value tax, right. which they claim um, these things are very, very complex and we don't want to send you to sleep, listener, but they claim that that would, uh, that would help to um, uh, generate cash and also, uh, and also they want to change pension tax relief. So at the moment, um, 60, 63%, this is according to Libyan figures, 63% of relief on pensions goes to the top 15% of taxpayers. Right, okay. And I think that gets to the uh, to the to the real heart of their issue here. Yeah. Which is, and let me quote Sir Vince, um, there is uh, an, the, the power and privilege are entrenched entrenched power and privilege are entrenched between and uh, within generations. Mm-hmm. So if your mum and dad are rich, you're likely to be rich. Yeah. Um, and that is there's always going to be an element of that in a capitalist free market system. But however, any ways that we can do to make people who aren't born with a silver spoon, I was born with a wooden spoon. I think you had a plastic spoon, didn't you? Lucky if I had a spoon. Oh, I, I would have killed for a plastic spoon in my mouth when I was born. Luxury. <laughs> we, we, we eat with our fingers. It's difficult when you only have gruel to eat. Absolutely. Um, so any attempts to eradicate that have got to be applauded, I think, for the Dems. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's really sensible, which is kind of, you know, Lib Dem stamp, isn't it, sensible? And yeah. Uh, But yeah, I like it. I think it sounds good. But it's, yeah. There is a problem still. The, the Lib Dems are the problem. No aren't one they? is paying any attention, are <laughs> no, they? So no, no. what can they do to try and stop that? I mean... So I kind of... I was thinking kind of what to expect from the conference. And, you know, there are various things. There's, you know, the... Stuff you're talking about there. There's these 
reforms that servants has been talking about about um you know letting people run for party leadership if yeah, they're not really members stuff, which is but... really interesting um, but is it re- but ju- sorry to put in there but no. just what it says you know i'm not allowed to be you, you are not accepting my apologies no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what it seems a little bit unambitious to me well i think the whole problem is is that it just doesn't really matter they because, want to open up their membership like Labour right. did for, to, to the centrists, to the centre. Yeah. And that's a great idea. He wants to create this movement for moderates, doesn't uh, he? Absolutely. Yeah. All sounds brilliant. There is one problem, and that is that they are hanging this coat on the Lib Dem peg. Yeah. I think that the greatest hope the Lib Dems have, and I think they will turn this around, but it will take 10, 20 years, like he did last time, you know, starting yeah. with Paddy uh, Ashdown and ending with Nick Clegg rather abruptly. Um, but what, or, or actually, that was the beginning of the end, wasn't it? It was uh, tiny Tim Farron that really uh, put the last nails in that coffin. But, but really, if they want to do something radical and get relevant right away, then what they need to be doing is reaching out to moderates and centrists in the Labour Party and even in the Tory Party who are worried about the direction of their own party. Yeah, absolutely. Scoop up those outliers. Absolutely. And what we've said before, especially for Labour MPs, is that these guys have been Labour since day dot. They're not likely to turn their back on their party, whatever Jeremy Corbyn does, unless the Lib Dems have become a foundation for a new party. Yeah. For a, the Democrats, the yeah. Liberals. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, something along those lines. I, I don't think it'd go that far. I don't think that Servitz or anyone would really say, you know, we need to form a new party at but this. He certainly he had he, meetings. Well, He's yes. Sort of... He said he wouldn't rule out a name change either, which seems to me just like but a bit see, of a rebranding Yeah, yeah, but, but I think that work. is all they need. If they get the likes of Chucker yeah. and, you know, a couple of big names from the Tories, yeah, yeah. I think maybe 10, 12 potentially from Labour... Then all of a sudden they've got 30 MPs, you know, 25, 30 MPs, essentially. And much more of a force than they are now, absolutely. And a rebrand yeah. and a new name. Do you take those Lib Dem values and they, they put them into a new, you know, into, into something new, but with a, very much with, a, with the Liberal Democrats running through it? I think that that is the potential for the centre really is there. And all this talk of new parties and money getting thrown about at new movements and things really maybe it's already there and maybe it is in the shape of the Lib Dems yeah potentially I think it's kind of a what have you got to lose situation I don't think however that there'll be much talk of that around conference maybe at the fringes maybe in the bars but not I would have thought um, in in any serious way by the leadership no so the best thing we've got to look forward to then is uh, Lib, Dem, Lib Dem Disco, isn't it? The... Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, do we know who's DJing this year? I don't know, do you? Well, she, I think Tim Farron has done it before, hasn't he? <laughs> so, we can, so Vince up there. We can, so Vince will be dancing, of course. He's a fine dancer. As ever. As the ever. big news this week, of course, is Brexit tinge, but only because of the people who've been involved in it. Mm-hmm. So last week we spoke about um, Boris Johnson. We did. And his marital marital difficulties. Latest of. Yeah. And, um, of course, we wouldn't want to comment too far on that. Um, but it seems that Boris has been problematic for his wife, shall we say. Yeah. Once again. Um, and then we awoke on Sunday to find out that he... That the papers certainly were claiming there's been no confirmation or denial. Uh-huh. Uh, we must make that very clear but that he had grown close, and that's a comment I've heard from a few people, grown close to uh, Carrie Simmons. Mm -hmm. Carrie Simmons, if you don't know, um, was a comms chief with the Tory party until very recently. In fact, it was a bit of a shock when she left 
the party. Um, she's been on the Tories for a long time. Oh, she's only 30, but she's certainly a high flyer. Very capable. Very well liked around Westminster. Um, her nickname is Apples. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a bit of a shock when she left. Um, she's she's left to sort of promote um, cleaner oceans with Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah. Which seems like a nice job. Yeah. But for a very young woman doing a very high profile, big role, you know, in a difficult time, it seemed like an odd time to leave. That's all I'll say. I, I wouldn't yeah. like to link it with anything else, but it did seem like an odd thing to do. Maybe it's just because she's very driven by the sea and making it clean. Look, we all saw Blue Planet. Exactly. So maybe it's simply that. Um, I'm just putting it out there. But some of the coverage has come, uh, of, of her in particular, has come under quite a lot of scrutiny. Um, our very own um, Caroline... Criado Perez, who writes in the New European and, in fact, guest edited it, um, is just one signatory um, included in a, in a letter um, which was um, upset about some of the coverage of Carrie. Um, Stella Creasy also signed that letter and some other big names. Jerry, you would have signed that letter had you been asked, wouldn't you? What, what exactly was your problem with the coverage? Look, I'm not, I'm not particularly sensitive. I'm really not. I had a you know, despite some people tweeting, calling us snowflakes. And I'm quite kind of, you know, free and easy with what the papers are able to do as well because of my job. But seeing the coverage really made me very, very uncomfortable. And I think it's kind of a routine that's not been updated for decades and decades and decades. And it's all about writing about a woman who is supposed to have potentially allegedly had an affair with a powerful man. Okay, so there was no... Um, I, I, I spoke to you about this briefly yesterday and I could realise I realised you were upset about it. <laughs> How did you realise? Because I shouted at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you see our coverage, which I wrote? Were you upset with that? Um, you know, Richard, we don't always agree. <laughs> we don't always have to. <laughs> All right, listen. No, absolutely, of course. That is what, that we're very much fans of free, open debate here on the New European Podcast. Um, but there, there was no, there was no. I've read, a, I think, pretty much all the coverage, yeah. and there was tons and tons and tons of it. There was no mention of. I mean, back in the eighties, she would have been labelled a homewrecker. Yeah. Um, she would have been. We would have had her vital statistics. The Sun used to do that after they named women in brackets. Um, none of that was there. She was. They yeah. spoke to people she knew. She. I thought she came across quite well. I think it's the way... Give me some phrases that they use that... I will, I'll give you some phrases. It's the way that women in these situations are portrayed as predatory. And you're right, the the kind of vitals that might have been there before weren't there, but all the insinuation is there. And things that are quite normal, go to parties, drink alcohol, go on holiday, have some friends are all turned into really suspicious things and photos usually in bikinis and with wine are pulled from social media and she, splashed she all over put the them place. Up there, though. If she's going to dance on a car outside Westminster in some hot pants yeah. and then put it on social media... Absolutely. Can she really blame anyone but herself? Yes, she can. She can blame the people that then trot them out for gain that isn't her own. You've got you know phrases like a man's woman, fun, flirty, gossipy and party-loving... Which may all be true. Sounds like you. Thank you very much. I don't take that as a compliment. But, <laughs> but can also be canny and feisty and ambitious. And that just means has a job, has done well, has friends, goes to parties, is a normal kind of human being. Um, we uh, In my headline, I wrote blonde. 
Yeah. But I took it out. Did you? Is that because yeah, you saw my tweet? No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> see it. I didn't see a tweet. I just thought like, I, I've called Boris the blonde Brexit bombshell before. Yeah. Why is that different? Because it is loaded with a background and context of that is all that Carrie Simmons is reduced to, despite the fact that by thirty she was, you know, heading up the PR for the um, pilots governing the UK. Yeah. That um, she was named one of the most influential... Second. Second, there we go, by PR Week. But none of that seems to matter in coverage where she's party-loving, fun-loving, you know, and the insinuation that comes with it is that it is her fault. That it's her fault that the marriage potentially has broken down. You see, listen, I I can hear what you're saying for some of those things. I don't think the coverage suggested it was her fault. Most of the coverage said Boris who is twice her age, um, bombarded her with text messages, which mm. seems to me to suggest that he was the predatory element of this friendship, because that's all it is as far as we're yep, aware. absolutely. I think I've got a paragraph here from a column um, in The Guardian, which I think sums it up for me, actually. It says, um, The language the media use about Simmons and any woman who has the, potentially has an affair with a married man or is deemed in some way unacceptably sexual is strikingly reminiscent of how women who allege sexual harassment and assault are treated in both the press and the courts. Any evidence that a woman occasionally lives an independent life that involves the drinking of alcohol and wearing something other than a nun's outfit are taken as proof of her immorality and untrustworthiness. Okay, well, I think there's a a point there, although I would like to bring up whoever wrote that up on their um, legal knowledge, because, of course, if a woman has claimed assault, um, we can't name her in newspapers, so (laughs) flawed there somewhat. Um... (laughs) I think that, that Carrie, I think that there's a danger from from your anger and from the anger of some other people that actually what what we what we do is we turn Carrie into some kind of victim. I don't think she's a victim at all. I think uh, she was fully, she's a very, very, very intelligent, very yeah. bright, very capable woman who was fully aware when she embarked in this friendship where she has, indeed it appears, grown close to our beloved former Foreign Secretary, she was fully aware of the potential consequences that went along with that. But how um, can you justify this this sentence from the Mail Online? Taken from Miss Simmons' social media post, these photos show the 30-year-old former Tory aide who has been linked to Boris Johnson in a variety of glamorous poses on holiday and even starring in a satanic sex cult theatre production during her university days. One of the photographs shows her on a beach, thought to be Saint-Tropez on the French Riviera, holding a watermelon. So, you know, why does that matter? Well, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have written that. But people are. People are. And it's wrong, is my point. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I can, I, I, see your argu- I can see your argument. I can see your argument, and I'm sure the listeners can. And I'm all for, for uh, you know, making it clear in the coverage of her. I mean, you, you've got to admit that you're all right with the fact that she's been named and... Yeah. Pictures. Yeah, that's that's what I meant at the start. Not, the, I'm not kind of sensitive about that. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's the it's the terminology and the implications the that are used and come with it that mm-hmm. make me deeply uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I, I think you don't see it happening with the men. It's a bit different with Boris. He's a public figure. We've got photos of him, but you don't. No one's pulling his dodgy Facebook photos. And... Oh well, I mean, I again, this is something I've given a little bit of thought to. Um, I'm all for nicking people's social media pictures if they've put them online. Yeah, they're published. Hard luck. Um, I am a brutal hardline hack. I would e- happily have ripped her stuff off. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's not the act of ripping it off, it's the ones that have been taken. Yeah, but I would have taken the Have they published things. the one at her, her graduation? Or, well, I would have grabbed you know. that one. But yeah, but I would have taken the, you know, not for the New European, because this is a very different publication, yeah. and you know, and we reflect our readers. But if, if I was the news editor of the Daily Mail, I would be saying, I want the bikini one, please. Yeah. Um, however, however, uh, I think that there is a very good point um, that, that is being made about how we treat uh, women in this kind of situation. In the, you know, the, f- the first and most important thing about her isn't, quite rightly, as you say, that she's blonde or fun-loving or um, goes to the pub. Yeah. It is that she was the, um, you know, the director of comms for the Conservative yeah. Party. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and the she's most interesting thing about She's her. absolutely newsworthy. I just wish we could frame this also, uh, this reporting better. Also, we need to be better. I think if... And the, can I just... Little disclaimer here, this, none of this is true. But if I were to have an affair with Theresa May, <laughs> she'd never go for me, would she? That's why you're laughing. I'm glad you prefaced that, because if not, I would have believed it happened. <laughs> and the papers were to get wind of it then I do think that my social media would be trolled through and I do think the hunky pictures of me on the beach sure, with, sure. with my six-pack uh-huh. would be out. You know, fun-loving, 30-year-old. I encourage <laughs> listeners to look at Richard's Twitter to find out how true this is. Fun-loving, 30-year-old who likes to go the boozer. Yeah. Dating Prime Minister. Hit that, me up, Teresa, <laughs> if you want a night out. That terminology just isn't used with men. It's not. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, uh, listen, if you guys want to get involved in that debate, then you know our Twitter handle. I'd be very interested to find out what you think. Um, or indeed, you can find me and Jerry on Twitter as well. We've not really talked about Brexit, remember that? We haven't, what's that? What's Brexit? Oh, uh, it's complex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've only got 10 minutes. <laughs> well, we've got, the, we, so we're, we, we've got more papers. Yep. Oh, it's all going to be awful. Um, but uh, my favourite brexit thing this week was Dominic Raab having a go at John Lewis. Yeah. So John Lewis... The profits are down by an extraordinary amount. Yeah, John Lewis ain't doing well at the moment. John Lewis is not. And I love John Lewis. I like John Lewis. Bought a lovely lamp there only the other week. Oh, In fact, I showed you it, I think. Good customer I? service. Yeah, I, and I put my lamp on Twitter so you can go to my Twitter feed, <laughs> check out my ripped six-pack, hunky Richard on the beach and my new lamp. Next to the lamp, in fact. I like John Lewis, so let's hope they book their ideas up. Yep. But Dominic Raab said... So John Lewis said, oh, well, Brexit mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why our profits are not very good. Um, and Dominic Raab sort of said, well, businesses are always just going to blame Brexit now, aren't they? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Because even even if that was the case, well, who is he to look at their own, their, you know, their kind of end of year sales and say, well, none of this is because of Brexit? Hey, possibly no. And of course Brexit is affecting businesses. Of course it this is. This is the party of business, telling businesses they're wrong. <laughs> uh, but also, and potentially even more dangerously, a Tory mm-hmm. having a go at John Lewis. No, not great, is it? The favourite department store of Middle England. I mean, those adverts alone. I think it's dangerous for Dominic to be having a go at uh, business and indeed, especially John Lewis. But let's hope, as a final thought, let's hope that we uh, still get a great Christmas ad this year. Apparently Elton John is in on it this year. Is he? Well, he's in that chocolate bar advert as well, isn't he? So he's obviously... uh, yeah, out for tender. Oh. I think he's doing some adverts for paddling pools. I thought you were going to say for the New European then. That'd be great. <laughs> Sir Elton, come and do it. It's a little bit funny. You could play your piano. I'm, I don't think it's good enough for Sir Elton. Jerry, thank you very much. I'm going to grab my phone now and try and get hold of Richard Angel.
on the Brexit Blower this week. On the phone this week, we've got Richard Angel. Hello, Richard. Hello. Richard is the director of Progress Labour's centre-left movement. Richard, is Labour in a perilous state now? Is there any way to get the party back? I don't think it's about going back, it's about going forward. Labour is doing well in the polls. We're not able to uh, break ahead of this disastrous Tory government, but we are. there is a stubborn group of people out there who want this Tory government out uh, and rightly want a different future for our country. And I think the voters have organised our two parties into essentially an anti-Brexit party, Labour and a pro-Brexit party, the Tories. Ironically, they're led by... Uh, people who are kind of uh, not totally committed to that position, but both of their memberships uh, really are. And the bit that I'm focused on at the moment is making sure those Labour members, 87% want to stay in the single market, 81 or 2% want a, a, a people's vote on the final deal. We want to make sure they get their say at Labour Party conference. And if we can bring that kind of uh, voice in the Labour Party that wants a better future for this country than the ones that the Tories are offering and wants a debate within the party that isn't about going back to solutions of the 1970s, but is about forging our relationship with the world for the next 30 years, then Labour's definitely got a vibrant future. And were you encouraged by some of the comments this week by John McDonnell, for example, saying that they wouldn't rule out a people's vote, or is that just manoeuvring, do you think? Well, I think any move by the leadership to listen to the party membership on Brexit is clearly welcome. And what we're hoping from from this leadership, they've held two views pretty consistently. They've been... Uh, apathetic, shall we say, on the European Union, but very pro-Labour members deciding what Labour should do on big issues facing the country. And essentially, we can get them to overcome their apathy on the EU by the membership overwhelmingly showing their view, which is that we have got to stay in the single market, the customs union, have a people's vote on the deal, and where possible, stay and remain members of the European Union. So John McDonald, I think, is desperate to be Chancellor of this country and realises that if he doesn't listen to the party membership and doesn't give clear direction on this in the next manifesto, that opportunity for him will be diminished. And he is therefore, I think, whether it's tactically or through uh, newfound belief, I don't particularly care, uh, getting Labour and the next manifesto to firmly be in that Remain space is clearly the right thing and we welcome all, uh, all people joining the coalition. Is there still, I mean, clearly momentum sort of kicked it into the long grass, didn't they, a week uh, last Saturday when when they met and, and discussed uh, whether or not Brexit should be properly debated uh, at conference. Is that, does that remain still a big obstacle, do you think, to, towards um, in, in front of getting what, what you guys are after and what we're after as well, of course? Well, of course it'd be easier for those of us in progress on the centre-left of the party those who want a pro-European future for our party, if momentum were with us on this issue, because they have great sway with the leadership, and of course they, um, I think, will have great sway with other parts of our movement. So that would be better to go in with that situation. Last year, they were part of various shenanigans that stopped the conference debating Brexit. I think they've realised this year they can't do that, but they don't want to put themselves in a position where they've had to pick one side or another. I think they will long-term 
uh, regret that position because in a politics that's about authenticity and clarity, the fact they're ambiguous on the biggest issue facing the country, but seem to be unambiguous about whether we should renationalise water, is, is the wrong priorities. Um, but we would rather be going in with them than where we are now, but it is better than what we had last year. And I think that where we are means that we'll get that vote at conference. And then what will be interesting is the Labour leadership will essentially have to think aloud so that New Europeans listeners, so that uh, those who voted Remain and others, those who voted Labour at the last election wanting a more Remain future, um, will get to see the kind of thought process we're going through. And of course Labour would rightly want a general election if Theresa May's deal turns out to be the failure that we all think it will be. If that is not possible, I think we do look to the party to make sure it uses its 260 votes in the House of Commons to bring about a people's vote. Can, uh, th- there's definitely been, during the, during the summer recess, and it continues, uh, this uh, momentum building behind the, um, uh, the people's vote. Um, do you think that we're, there is going to be time if, if, we were to, if we were to have a people's vote? Is... is is there even the, the mechanics to get it done? Or is it just about really changing the position of the parties and, and is voting it down in Parliament as good as the people's vote? I think it's really important that we get the parties in the right places, um, not least because we've got to prosecute all of those who know this is such a bad future for our country that the Brexit that was promised um, is not possible or I mean, it's not desirable to us, but it's not actually possible as an option for Britain. And then what they're negotiating isn't one that is desirable for the public, but only for the Conservative Party. So we have to expose that position in itself. We have to be in a position where Parliament can vote down the deal. It seems there is no way with the ERG extremists uh, on one side and those who live in Britain on the other that could kind of just see that this Brexit is not going to work. There cannot be a majority, it seems, for what the fudge that Theresa May will come back with. And therefore, a people's vote is the only way through the crisis that will be created in Parliament. The time for that is actually the easiest bit, because what the EU27 will easily do is say, if you need time to reconsider this decision, we will let you have it. Not least because the very fact that we are having to reconsider that decision is itself a win for the EU, because it says that all those people who said it was easy to leave, there'd be no implications, there'd only be sunny uplands, the days would be longer, the the sun would be hotter, etc., etc., have all come crashing down. The simple reality of leaving the most successful successful peacetime project, the biggest trading block, the way of amplifying our values not only within the market of a fairer, uh, more equitable economy, but out into the world of high standards, environmental protections and workers' rights, that to, to opt out of that is the wrong direction of travel and the EU, ultimately its fundamentals, is a success, has been a success and you can't just opt out of the world we live in and making it a better place. So the EU will give us the time we need for a people's vote uh, on the deal. Um, so it, the challenge is about the parliamentary arithmetic. And to get there, you need the parties in the right place and MPs willing to do what's best for the country rather than their own internal factions. So, so MPs, crossed. MPs on, on both sides of the House need to be... It's time for heroes, isn't it? Time to be brave. It is, and from that you can take a much exception, uh, a much example from people like John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn, who stuck by their beliefs when they were not popular.
popular uh, and took that forward. And there are people on all sides of Parliament. And this is so clearly an issue of such importance that you can, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can't but meet this occasion because this is the this is the very issue. If you if you were in this Parliament, your grandkids will sit on your knee in years to come and say, "What did you do when?" Because yeah. whatever happens, whatever route we go down, this is a turning point. If we remain, and those of us who want to remain have got to pledge ourselves to this, we cannot go on to business as usual. There are many good reasons why people voted to leave the EU that have nothing to do with the EU. The problems in our economy, the way that uh, inequality seems factored in, the poor standards in our labour market, etc. Uh, read the IPPR report that came out uh, in the last 10 days, headed by Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. There was a, a big coalition for a fairer economy. Of course, if we go down the Brexit route, that will also be a big turn in the nature of our economy and closing down Britain to the kind of open society, the open economy that we love and enjoy that makes this country uh, what is so great about it. So either way, this is a turning point. And MPs, I think, know that they have got to have a good answer for their grandkids when they sit on their knee in the years to come. Absolutely. Um, Richard, thanks very much for your time. What can people do if they want to get involved and they want to engage with progress and they like what you guys are up to? If you want a say on Brexit at Labour Party conference, you go to laboursay.eu, sign up there and join the campaign and help those of us who are in the Labour Party and those who want to see the Labour Party doing better on this meet that occasion and uh, and get involved in laboursay.eu and if you are on the centre-left in Labour and you want to be part of renewing the ideas of the centre-left, bringing on new talent and stopping the deselection of some of our brilliant MPs, please join Progress at prog.rs forward slash join. Richard, an absolute pleasure. I'm sure we'll speak to you again before too long. Thank you very much for your time. Well, keep up the good work and thank you very much for doing such great work at the New European. Thank you. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. Steve, where have you been? Been the whole time. You've just oh. been ignoring me. Oh, a bit rude. A bit rude. Okay, uh, now, wait a minute. You tell me you've invented some game you want to play before we do Brexiteer of the Week. Well, because it's the Lib Dem conference, isn't it? Well, it is. We, me and Jerry have just been chatting about uh, that. And everybody's talking about how Vince Cable is, is you know, is too old and he's potentially going to quit. And well, not potentially. Kind of he said he's going to well, quit. He's gonna, but he's going to quit when... Once Brexit is solved, or there's a snap election, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, well, so perhaps yeah. never. Perhaps never. But I, I've got a list of celebrities here, and All I want right. you to tell me whether who's the sexiest. Are, they are older oh. or younger. All right, than All right. Vince Cable. Okay, cool. Okay. Oh, I could have done a jingle for this. Yeah. No, I'll think about it. Okay. Older uh, or younger? Older or younger? Older or younger? Vince Cable. <laughs> good, good. That'll do. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Delia Smith, is she older or younger than Vince Cable? Should we set the scene by saying that Vince Cable is, um, is, uh, was born, uh, well, he's, he's 75, isn't 75, he? 75, right. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was Birthday in May. 75, okay. So Delia Smith, 
Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Kevin Bacon's mate. Yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, uh, Well, I would think younger. She's older. Is she really? Delia Smith is older than Vince Cable. And do you know what? That's still... I'd definitely go on a date with Delia. She's lovely, isn't she, Delia? Yeah, and she can't... And she likes a drink. Oh, she definitely likes a drink. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, older. He's older. He's Because he's, he's I remember older. from when he broke his foot, didn't he? Yeah. When he was Han Solo. Uh, Keith Richards, older or younger than Vince Cable. Right, Keith Richards... Oh, older. He's younger. Is he? He's a smear 74, Keith Richards. Have you read... Top uh, rocker, Keith Richards. Have you read Life? Yes, it's extremely good. Very good. I'm sure it was very well ghostwritten by someone, but it is very, very good. Yes. Paul McCartney? Macca. Well, the, now, he's older than Richard, so I say older. He is older, that's, yeah. that's right. And obviously big McCartney news this week. I don't know if you've seen it. What's that? Is he a Brexiteer? He was, no, but oh. he's been talking about a... Um, a uh, well, what's the point of saying this? <laughs> Reunion. Him, uh, he, and John Lennon and some friends played a sexual game together in their youth. Well, Paul McCartney had sex with John Lennon. No, he they. Whoa! 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 Yeah. No, they did. No. Tug of war. Ah, carry on. Come together. <laughs> Bob Dylan is he older or younger than Vince Cable? Uh, older. He's older. He's yes. 76. Have you ever Barbara, seen Dylan? Barbara Streisand. What, today? He's not been round oh, yet. Have you no. seen Dylan? Have you seen I've him? I've seen him a few times. Disappointing yeah. live, I think. No, it'd be brilliant. All right. Completely. It'd be a generational thing, Steve. It is, it is a generational thing. <laughs> it is a completely generational thing. Were you at the Free Trade Hall? When I you was first there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, Barbara Streisand, older or younger? Oh, Barbara Streisand. It's a dangerous oh. age, this, isn't it? You just can't work it out at all. Younger. She is a year older oh. than Vince Cable. Timothy Dalton. Oh, the worst Bond of all time. Or is he the best Bond of all time? Well, no, he's the worst. Well, I don't know. A John Rain, if we ever if we ever manage to get John Rain from, from the great Smirsh pod on, he says he's the best Bond. Really? Yeah. Well, I would disagree. But um, but I never did witness Bob Holness do James Bond on the radio. On the radio, so that's right. Yeah. Um, Timothy Dalton, younger. He be. is one year younger. Yeah, yeah. Richard O'Brien from the Crystal Maze. Oh well, he was more famous for something far better than the Crystal Maze before that. He was. That's right. Yeah. And I see you've come dressed in the garb. I've always <laughs> I've always done up as was he Riff Raff? I can't remember. Or Frankenfurter. Frankenfurter. He was. Yeah. Older. He's older, that's yes. right. I'm good at this, aren't I? And Michael Crawford. Oh, Betty, the cat's oh. done a whoopsie on the carpet. And then he got all ripped, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he's all ripped He did now. the music of the night, didn't he? He was the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and he does all his own stunts. Even that one where his foot was tied to a piano. Does he? Yeah. And he did, you know that one where he goes roller skating oh, yeah, out yeah. of the thing and he gets tired and feathered and he's on the back of a bus? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> all his own stunts. Wiley Coyote. Yeah. But I think they had speeded that film yeah, footage up a little bit. Yeah, bit. Yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, I couldn't roller skate on a shagpal carpet. No. Older or younger? Older. He is older. God, I'm good at this. And the last one is, is the great Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Oh, I think just younger. She is just younger. Yes! Did I get you wrong? So, if you wanted a younger person to take over the leadership of the Lib Dems, then my suggestions are Joni Mitchell, yeah. Timothy Dalton... Yeah. 
or Keith Richards. And it's perfect now because you don't have to be an MP or even indeed a member or even indeed Liberal or a Democrat. So an old leader lived then. Jimmy Page, also younger, he'd be a good leader. Few skeletons in the closet, I would imagine. Yeah, possibly the whole a lost sort of decade or so. Nineteen seventies, <laughs> basically, we have to shelve that one. But yes, yeah, never mind. Anyway, that was fantastic. I enjoyed it very much. Maybe we could. Work, we need to do something similar for each conference. So I get. I need to think of a Labour game. You will think week. of a Labour game for next week. Yes. Um, but now, should we move on to the Brexit of the week? Of the week. And this, there are so many to choose, aren't there? Aren't there always? I mean, Boris Johnson. Where do we even begin with Boris? <sighs> Boris Johnson. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I am. I mean, I've written about this at length in the newspaper this week, and yeah. probably at too much length. But yes, it's a big cut. Yeah, I am just. <laughs> I am just. Well, that is. It's, I am. How does he do it? You know, not actually. <laughs> well, how I does he do it? But how does it. he manage to? Persuade human women to whether well, he is charming to interact with. Yes, but I mean, lots of people who've never met While him or been like around him at all would are going to just laugh at this and think that's absolutely ludicrous. But he is actually a very charming man. What do you think? I don't believe that. What do you think his chat <laughs> up lines are? Because I've, uh, I've got a couple written down here that I've written down. I could tell you mine and see yeah, if they match up. I like. Um, would you like an open relationship? That's good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It never worked. No. Go on, what are Boris's? Well, because he's always, you know, he's some of these things that he says. Are, so, are, are you wearing a suicide vest because <laughs> your chest looks explosive from here? It's <laughs> one of good. my ones. That is good. I may well use that. And then, um, do you know why you're different from Barack Obama? I won't criticise you for moving your bust. <laughs> Which is a little Churchill bus joke there. Do you think so? Which one do you think he used on the? Um, well, I don't. On the I don't know. You know, carry. Hey girl, you know, was your daddy a bank robber like those women in burkas because you've stolen my heart? <laughs> Does he say things like this? I've no idea. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I think the, the, there are a couple of things, aren't there? This week has, has revealed his very sort of loose relationship with the concept of loyalty, hasn't it? And I'm not well, not only this week. Well, yeah, every week. But I'm not, you know, I'm not specifically talking about his marital circumstances. But I, but look, he's on two hundred and fifty. We talked about this a bit last week. But he's on two hundred and fifty thousand pound a year for writing a weekly column in the Daily Telegraph. Mm. His weekly column in this week's Daily Telegraph on Monday was really tedious. He his, gave them the garbage, didn't for he? His, for his five five grand or whatever it is, five yeah. grand, yeah. And uh, it was about stamp duty and capital gains tax. Yeah. And then, but twenty four hours later, he'd written this suicide vest column, yeah. which was very controversial. And it was he wrote that in the Mail on Sunday, Sunday yeah. which hours is the earlier. newspaper. Yeah. It's not the newspaper that employs him one, and it's the newspaper two that last week sacked his own sister. Ah, the Johnsons are very liberal. Johnson, that. So that's Fleet Street. Of, uh, of, of TNE fame. And then, you know, who had the exclusive about his marriage splitting up? And it was <laughs> the son. And, you know, was that a controlled leak or not? Spreading who, who, the love, isn't he? Who knows? So, you know, I'm loose relationship with loyalty. And also, a word of warning, ladies... Don't expect to see a DVD of I'm a Celebrity from 2017 if Boris Johnson ever invites you to have a look at his old fella. <laughs> um, so that's Boris Johnson. Can we talk about Steve Baker as well? Because Steve Baker is somebody who is just... He's he sort of crept up, hasn't he? On the And he's becoming... He's like um, 
He's like sort of General Grievous, isn't he? He's like a, a minor character in the old Can Brexit I just rewind world. to this, right? So yeah. is it just me and Boris Johnson who use DVDs to chat women up? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. <laughs> I think it probably is. Okay, Steve sorry, Baker, he's sorry. like a minor baddie, isn't he? He's like the, yeah. the sort of the third villain in... in the one in, that dies first, the one that gets in, knocked off first. He is, yeah, yeah. 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 He's a minor baddie and... I don't know if you saw him on Monday. He had an extraordinary, um, a, 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 made an extraordinary appearance on Sky News, um, and he said with Beth Rigby, who I think is really good. Oh, and, she's brilliant. Uh, she's Beth. fantastic, fantastic. Isn't she, Beth yeah, Rigby. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he said to her, she he said, she said, you sort of want to take over, don't you? And he said, well, I'm not here to threaten the prime minister, and it's not for us, the ERG, to dictate policy. Yeah. And then he said. The Conservative Party is facing a catastrophic split if this plan is forced through by Theresa May. We want to change the policy towards an advanced trade agreement. The alternative is political crisis and rupture. So he's not threatening the Prime Minister or dictating policy, apart from when he's threatening the Prime Minister and dictating policy. Gerard Batten, Batty. the leader of, or Batty, the leader of UKIP, mm-hmm. Um, uh, is uh, it, well, he's gearing up for his conference as well, the sort of live action version of Fraggle Rock, and mm-hmm. he's having a really, um, he's he's having a, he's, he's in a, a rich vein of form um, at the moment. He he has been demanding legislation to stop Tesco's from selling Christmas items in September. Um, he says it's all you know far too far too early and all it's, of this. It's this kind of rubbish that the that UKIP get caught yeah, up yeah, in yeah. that. You know, like that famous... Sorry, I've gone serious for a minute. But yeah, like yeah. that famous keep the circle line a circle and yes. taxi drivers have to wear gloves yeah. and make rail travel glamorous again. Yeah, yeah. It's that type of nonsense that gets them laughed at, right? These are supposed to be liberal, individualist, free marketeers. Of they course. shouldn't care less if there's Christmas decorations for sale in every shop. Because if I want to buy them in September, I should be allowed exactly. to. Exactly. And, you know, who, who cares? I did like the, the there was a story on uh, about this on the Sun website, and I really enjoyed this comment from a bloke called USA Tim, uh, and he was responding to Gerald Batten saying that they, Tesco should stop selling Christmas items in September, and he said USA Tim said, "Don't worry, when Sharia law kicks in, there will be no Christmas." <laughs> so there you go. Um, Do you think he was serious? Do you think that was a really good sign? It's quite, it's it's quite good, isn't it? He's also Gerard Batten. Old Batty has has asked his party to um, lift its ban on on former BNP members, but he just wants one former BNP member uh, to be admitted. Can you guess who it is? Yeah, yeah, well, it's him. Yeah, uh, and he also is uh, he's called on probably most controversially. He's called for a boycott, uh, recruits to boycott the British Army, so no one should join the British Army um, until after Brexit is done, and that's because so he's upset. With a picture, I know it's nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. He's upset by with a picture of troops. He's seen a picture of troops in Bosnia, British troops, and they're wearing a little EU patch on their sleeves, a tiny EU flag yeah. patch. Yeah. He's really triggered and upset by this, and the reason that they're wearing it is because they're under EU command, yeah. and they, it's a peacekeeping force in Bosnia. Yeah. It's kept the peace in the Balkan Peninsula for fourteen years now. And yet, if you said to pretty much any UKIP member. From the very, from the most bonkers one, yeah, yeah, yeah. quite possibly he's in charge, to to the the most just a little bit misguided sort of former Tory who's fallen into it. Yeah, right? if you would say to any of them, 
you're actually damaging what what you suggesting. UKIP is damaging the UK armed forces. Mm. We're making you're making us less safe. They would be uproar. Total uproar. But don't talk. You've got a little EU badge on. Yeah, exactly. An idiots. And obviously, no. There's no talk about they. They wear NATO badges, don't they? When they're under NATO yeah, command. Yeah. So anyway, um, and I'm just wondering how he's going to follow this. And they're at the ICC, aren't they? And of course, at the ICC. Uh, in Birmingham, the ICC was built with a 50 million grant from the yeah. EU, and that's where the UKIP are holding their conference. And I am now just wondering whether he is going to make his big speech, and then he will strip to a loincloth. He'll brace his little mighty arms, the baton arms, against a, a pillar, and then he'll bring it all down like Samson uh, on top of all the, the Philistines. Maybe, the temple maybe. will be destroyed. Um, Liam Fox, he. Uh, said now, um, he, 14 months ago, he said doing the Brexit trade deal with the EU would be one of the easiest in human history. He did. Now, he says, we've got to be rational and say that everything won't be wonderful just because we're leaving the European Union. It is not a guarantee that everything is going to be rosy on the other side. Let's not have an irrational positivity. He's I mean, mad. Yeah. You know, I, I beg your pardon, but you did promise me a rose garden, and I, I wish it to be delivered. <laughs> Joe Marnie. Oh, yeah, Joe. Lovely Joe Marnie. The, it's the eyebrows, I love them. Uh, she's the leader, former UKIP leader's you girlfriend, isn't she? looks she? a bit like... Do you think she... And I don't... Uh, listen, I would never be disparaging about any lady's looks. Right? Yeah, cool. So this is actually... And this is a lady that I was, I'm very keen on. In fact, I saw recently... Did you? In, uh, she's much older than when I, I mean. I, not that there's anything wrong with being old. No, but she's a, she's a, 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 a very much a middle aged lady now. When I admired Show your her, money. Well, not your money. Oh. when I admired her, she oh, was okay. she was young, but I was much younger. Um, Louise Wenner from Sleeper. Oh you yeah, think, just look at that picture there. She I've does got, look a little bit Wenner. Yeah. Oh, she does. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that um, that Henry Bolton is just her in between? He could be just her yeah. in between. Yeah, yeah. I fear for poor Henry. Uh, yes, um, she did a great interview with the Evening Standard. I don't know if, if you I saw did. this. The pictures are good as well. You it see was, the yeah, yeah, <laughs> particularly good. By a tree, um, that one by a tree. The one by a tree, yeah. Um, she said she couldn't understand the criticism uh, that she got when she compared herself to Anne Frank, and of course she compared herself <laughs> to Anne Frank um, because she had to hole up in Henry Bolton's flat when they had both lied about them, them splitting up. And they were carrying on together still. They'd lied about it. And she holed up by her own choice in Henry Bolton's flat. And then she said she was like Anne Frank. And she said to the Evening Just Standard, the Just the she said, I didn't mean I was a Jewish girl that was going to be captured by the Nazis. The situation was similar. I couldn't go outside or near windows. <laughs> Just, I'm so glad she's cleared it up. Because yeah, I yeah, was yeah. thinking, what? So that is all what? cleared up now. Uh, but the Brexiteer of the week has got to be Jacob Rees-Mogg, hasn't he? Yes. Because, I mean... Could be every look, week, to be honest, couldn't it? What, it's been a disastrous week for Jacob Rees-Mogg, frankly, hasn't it? And one in which any sort of leadership ambitions that he might have had have, have must, must have been. They're done yeah, now, yeah, aren't I they? I think so, yeah. Because, you know, he's the leader of the, the, uh, the SPG, the ERG, the SPG of Brexit... <laughs> Um, and and their their brilliant Brexit plan was leaked, wasn't it? And revealed, and it what did it have in it? It had a Star Wars missile shield around Britain, oh, yeah, which is something that Ronald Reagan eventually 
discounted as, as being a mad plan, and that was when he was senile. Yeah, I'd love a missile shield. And then he also, they, he also wanted a permanent task force to save the Falkland Islands, no matter whether the Falkland Islands needed <laughs> need saving save it or not. <laughs> um, and so his, his big plan, the ERG's big plan has not come out, and it's not going to come out now, is it? I think they're having a big rethink. Well, they've, they've released the, uh, the border plans, which I think... I think we need to shake a little bit and see what falls I off. I think we do, yeah. Um, but he turned up anyway, didn't he? Because the Economists for Free Trade group... Which include um, our favourite economist. Patrick Minford. Yeah. Um, and he sort of, you know, bereft of having a photo opportunity, he shipped up there and, and uh, made a speech there. And it was very interesting because on Tuesday he gave an interview to the Times, didn't he, ahead of this thing coming out? Yeah. And it said that Brexit, no deal, Brexit would add eighty billion quid to the Treasury's coffers in fifteen years, and that's good. It's less than the hundred and thirty-five billion that he said we would get in five years last mm-hmm. last year. He yeah, said yeah, that. Yeah. But it's still quite a nice earn. Yeah, economic. Focus. And then by the time he spoke yesterday, it had got up to. 1.1 trillion uh-huh. in 15 years. Yeah, baby. And maybe he found, you know, 1,020 billion behind <laughs> the top behind the anti macassar or there is every possibility or that something you like that, did. you know. <laughs> um, and it's amazing because last year Jacob Rees-Mogg was on Question Time and he said that all financial forecasts should be taken with a pinch of salt. Uh, and he said, what are, we shouldn't do is think that we can model economically what, what may happen with any degree of precision. Uh, in two years' time, depending on factors that are uncertain. And now, this time next year, we'll all be trillionaires. <laughs> so Jacob Rees-Mogg is the Brexiteer of the week. Jacob, congratulations. And he's finished. What I will say on Jacob Rees-Mogg is... He's a very caring lover. Well, he likes a spoon. Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> he'd, be he'd be very bony. bony. He'd be yeah. very bony, wouldn't he? I'm hardly, you know... Would you I'm wear a wooden, wooden, a wooden vest? He might wear a wool, yes, wooden right, vest. I might do if I was around Jacob Reese mugs for a cuddle, yes. No, what I will say... A woolen sheath and a wooden vest. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't wear a sheath, does he, as we know? <laughs> well, definitely not. What I would, yes, that would, he wouldn't like that. Um, I bet what he I uses say, the word sheath, though, doesn't it? I bet he does, yeah. yeah. But what I will say... Yeah. Go on. ...is... If you're a left-wing activist, yes, don't go shouting at his kids. Just leave them alone. No, that's Shout so at him, pathetic. but don't. Please don't make a fool of yourself. Actually, all it does is give more fuel to the people you don't want to have. You know, it gives them more power and more reason to say, "Look at these nutters." Yeah, don't say things like, "Lots of people hate your daddy." It's to anybody's a, it's child, it's extremely upsetting. Very, isn't it? very and, poor taste. And we don't like Jacob Rees-Mogg, but that's beyond the pale. Absolutely. Oh, what should the listener do right this second? Uh, the listener should go to steadyhq.com, uh, where you can um, where you can contribute to the great success of the, the new European. Uh, just go there. Um, you can choose to give us uh, six euros a month, nine fifty euros a month, twenty five euros a month. Uh, that will help uh, the new European grow. It'll help us uh, get even better journalism in the newspaper. Uh, it might even well, it, it might even pay for a, what, a new. Well, it'll carry this podcast on. Well, it, so yeah. if you've listened to this late, you must like the podcast. Uh, even... But also, even more than that, do you know what? You'd be part of the team. 
You'd be part of the team, and we would be very, very grateful. And you also do get some merch as well. Oh, you get merch and also Which is nice. Check, so that's at steadyhq.com. It's very cool. Um, you can also uh, follow The New European on Twitter, at The New European. Um, you can follow me on Twitter if you like. Uh, I am at uh, Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. And you can join our New European Readers Facebook group on Facebook. You can just like our page on Facebook. Uh, and I've forgotten what the other thing is that you can do. But the most review, Im- and the most important thing of all, is that you can review this podcast yes. on your podcatcher yes. of choice. Give us a lovely review, give us loads of stars, tell your friends, and we will keep the podcast growing. There are thousands and thousands of you out there, so spread the word. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. It's £2.50. It is on sale now at all good newsagents. And I imagine some pretty useless news agents as well. But as long as they've got our newspaper, they can't be that bad. There's lots of great stuff in it. Not just politics, not just Brexit, but loads of culture, loads of art, loads of fun as well. So, cracking cover. You will love it. We'll be back next week with our Labour Party conference preview. Until then, Mr Campbell, please play those bagpipes. Here you go. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.